there was a lot of tough decisions that had to be made and a lot of tough discussions that were taking place. And um, ultimately, a lot of times it made me the bad guy. Welcome to the House Flipping HQ podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of wholesaling and house flipping businesses. The systems and automation that we discuss will help you build a real business instead of another job for yourself. From beginners to those doing hundreds of houses a year, we go deep into the details and strategies that are working today. And now your host, Bill Allen. Hey, everybody. This is the second half of the interview that I did with my COO for Blackjack Real Estate, Nate Johnson. And this was such a fun interview. I told you on the last one that uh, how much fun we had together is we were talking for almost two hours uh, recording a podcast I expected to be about 30 or 40 minutes. So we had to cut it in two pieces. So if you're just tuning in, if this is the first time you listen to the podcast, go back one episode and uh, listen to the first half of my interview with Nate. And we talked a lot about how he, how we met each other, how we like what he was doing before he joined me and my company and um, the hiring process and kind of what we did and how we got to know each other. And then this half is going to be more on once he got hired, what was he doing? What are some of the things that he implemented into the company and what did we see? What were some of the gotchas? What are the lessons learned? If we could do something different, how would we do it? And I got a really cool surprise for you at the end of this one. Um, something that Nate and I are going to be doing together here um, in December. So um, listen to enjoy the second half of the podcast. I appreciate you guys coming back and uh, listen to the other half and hanging out with us. And hopefully you get some, some big value from this. I know you will. So here we go. So once you got hired, we sat down and we kind of spent a couple days together, right? Just going through the business with a fine tooth comb. Like, what does it look like? Like current state, what do we want it to be? And the first thing that I gave you, I remember was I, I read the book Traction, right? Right yeah. when I started this company. And um, I was like dabbling in EOS and trying to implement some of the things that is going on. But we were growing so fast and building so fast that accountability was basically thrown out the door. I didn't have meetings. I didn't have all this stuff. And so I said, when you come in, I want you to implement, like the number one thing that I want you to do is implement EOS to the, like, to the book. I want yeah. it to the T is implement EOS and get rolling. And we had this like pipe dream that you would be up and running in three months. Yeah. So I, yeah, I mean, I, and I didn't realize how unrealistic that was at the time, but it sounded good to me and you wanted that to happen. So I was like, let's, let's go. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, I think that, so the, for the first couple of days, we, we, we just assessed current state. You, you mapped everything out. I remember there, I think there might've been a small dry erase board and about 15 different printer sheets of paper that you had drawn out a bunch of different stuff with this person's name. Cause, cause coming into this, you know, I had a, I had a novice understanding of wholesaling by myself let alone the building out the team um, of acquisitions and dispositions and transactions and all the different things that you had going. So there was an understanding that I, I kind of a, a kind of getting up to speed on the positions themselves and then adding the complexity of the personnel that are actually sitting in those seats to kind of understand current state as well. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, it's, it's for, for, for people that are like maybe looking into coming in and looking, taking over a position like that, it was, it wasn't intimidating from the aspect of not me not being confident in my skill set, but it was, there was a lot of moving parts and a lot of things that like, it wasn't like we were starting this from scratch together. You already were doing over a million dollars in business when I came in to take it over. So there was like a, for me, I was like, man, okay, I, I better not fumble the ball here because <laughs> there's already, the machine's already, already working to some degree. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we just, we just kind of talked about that. I think that we, we set some goals in the, those first couple meetings that were pretty lofty um, from the, from a, I think a quarterly and even an annual, an annual goal. 
Um, and um, I had actually, um, I think prior to even reading Traction, during the interview process, I guess you could call it, while we were kind of talking back and forth, uh, I had read uh, Rocket Fuel. So if there's anybody in there talking about possibly hiring a COO or um, integrator, uh, Rocket Fuel, that relationship there was, was pretty valuable for me too, to kind of actually start to be able to speak the language a little bit with you around what, what we need to be done and kind of how those things kind of shaped out. So kind of reading traction as this kind of follow up to rocket fuel just kind of flowed right in line because they talk a lot about the traction and the EOS model at the end of rocket fuel. So um, it was just kind of a, a launching pad for me uh, to get rolling um, as soon as we got, got, as soon as I got hired and got started. Yeah. We also took the tests in there so you can take the right. visionary integrator test and um, kind of see where you score, which was pretty cool to see because at that time we didn't have a lot of the tools that we used for personality profiles and stuff. I think you probably took the disc and then uh, we took yeah. that test and I you could see that Nate was a, a better integrator than me, but we both had, we had both of those. We had a visionary component and an integrator component of our personalities. We know a lot about our personality profiles. Now we're very similar in, in personality profile with, me just being a little bit more wide, wider spread visionary and Nate being a little bit better at the, some of the details. What I remember when you came in, so we left that meeting and came up with these plans. And then day one, I, I said, go back and look at kind of um, current state and where we want to be. And that night, I think at like 11 or t 11 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock at night, I get this email and it's this spreadsheet like on crack. I'd never seen something like this before. It was the past couple years um, with like ch like lines above it of what, what we were doing and what the expectation is for the next year and all this data that had been, you know, had been reduced, had been put on a spreadsheet and this whole long email of, I think we can do this, 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 and this, and this, this year. And that, like, I, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. That's when I knew I was like, this guy can do more than me. Like he can take us to a place that I couldn't get us to. And it's, that was amazing. It's just, just to see that. And that was just that kind of nail in the coffin to me to say, okay, um, I made the right decision. And it was like day two, you know, not this 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. So if any of you are out there like thinking about doing this or listen to this, or even with any employee that you have, if you have some concerns in the beginning there, or this, this gut feeling that it's not right, it's probably, it's probably true. You know, give them some time, work with them. But you, we talk about, you know, hiring slow and firing fast. And I struggle with that. I'm a kind of a more of an emotional decision maker. I know that about myself. But when you know, you know. And I knew, like, this was, and then every week after that, it was, man, we're, we're moving the ball forward. We're moving the ball forward. Even when we were, um, you know, some of the struggles that we had and we lost some people and, you know, people quit and people calling me, you got to, yeah, we'll talk about it in a minute, but you got to back your, your guy or your gal. So when you bring somebody in like this, we'll talk about some of the struggles that we hit and some of the, um, the challenges, but that's when I knew, I said, you know what, this guy can really produce for us. And, uh, I'm, I was really excited about where we were going to go together. Cause I knew that, um, that relationship, as long as it stays strong and we back each other up, then, um, we can hit the kind of numbers that we need to and build an organization. And for me, where the company was at the time, we were growing, but there was no accountability in the company. So we had been growing, growing. We were very kind of top heavy, I feel like. I feel like we didn't build a solid foundation of process procedures. And uh, we had the systems, we had these processes, but everybody's kind of doing their own thing in their own lane. And it was good. I, I, I mean, it was where we needed to be with just me because I was doing 20 other things. So I couldn't hold them accountable. And if I tried to hold everybody accountable, then I, I mean, 
I would have been working. There's not enough hours in the day for me to get all that done and still spend time with my family. So we were profitable. I was making money, but it was just kind of growth without accountability, which we started seeing trying to grow and hold people accountable. So I know you love to talk about that. So how did that go when we started kind of holding people accountable? Well, so yeah, I think that, and I think you've probably told your story a lot and people that listen to the podcast know that not only were you CEO and owner of this company, you were also starting to help Justin with running that and you were also still flying for the Navy. So it was all of these other things that were going on that you were still having, I mean, the, the business was running and churning out um, some great numbers on a month to month basis, but you, you still had your attention being pulled in a hundred different ways. So this was the first time that I think someone had come in, was, a, was able to come in and, and have a hundred percent focus on just this side of the business and just this team. So um, what I would say is that, uh, and I've had conversations with, with business owners talking about hiring COOs and some other stuff is that there's a, um, and it's, it's, it's warranted, don't get me wrong, but there's an elevated kind of like, a sunnier disposition of the current state of the company than probably what actually actually is going on. And it's, but and it's, and it's, it's, I'm not saying it's not well-deserved because it is because when you're, when you're, when you're grinding like you were doing and you find someone that's able to check the box and anytime that you look, the thing that needs to get done is actually getting done. Um, you, there's this, there's this element of reassurance that I don't have to worry about that anymore, that somebody might be doing it on a scale of one to 10. They're doing it. They're doing it at a two but it's getting done. And uh, I think that's what kind of what we're, where we were at at that point in time is everything was getting done and the bus, we were, we were, we were moving forward uh, and would have continued to move forward, but there was still a whole lot of um, efficiency gain that could, that, that we still needed to kind of bring in that to, to get us to that next level. So that was kind of what I saw when I came in was um, I had a lot of conversations um, with everyone that was in currently in every seat in every position. Um, I think it was, it took me about 30 days to get around to, sit sit with this person, sit with this seat, understand kind of the, I mean, I did, we didn't get granular, but just understand the core functions, the core processes, um, which at the time, you know, they were just kind of in people's heads. They, we think there were some, there was probably some word documents out there, but there really wasn't anything mapped out. And uh, so by the time I, it took me about 30 days to kind of get a good understanding of, of, of kind of what that looked like. And um, from there, um, it just started having conversations around like raising the bar. We started, you know, really started getting into the implementation of EOS, which includes, you know, setting, setting rocks each quarter and, and coming up with our scorecard. I remember that, you know, one of our first meetings that you and I had, we actually tried to, 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 to do the scorecard ourselves. So what's, what, what kind of calls are we going to get each week? How many appointments are going to go on and kind of, and as we started to implement these KPIs and these weekly scorecard metrics, it was a, it was a kind of shocked the system. Right. It was something that the team had never really felt. Um, it was a, a spotlight on their performance that they had that I think some of them were scared of. Some of them might have even taken taken a little bit personally. Um, and the the easy thing to do is to kind of, you know, to react to that. And I think some people uh, outwardly pushed back against some of that. And then others um, kind of came to you and were like, <laughs> I think specifically there was a couple that said, do you know what this guy's doing you know, to the company? Um, so, uh, and all, all, all while this is going on, um, I know the conversation I remember very vividly and you didn't say it like verbatim in this way, but pretty much the content that I pulled from our discussion was you wanted to do three things simultaneously. And that was grow, add in a bunch of accountability and you wanted all your time back. And I was just like, man, I don't know how this is going to happen. So I think that, uh, you know, we had initially thought, like you said, that in, in three months you should be, I should be rolling and you should be out of there. 
Uh, I think we, 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 we were able to do that in about six months. But uh, yeah, that first three months was, uh, was crazy. That first six months was, was crazy. We, 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 uh, and, and I'll just say this. I mean, uh, the people that we had on the team at the time, great people. Great people. They, 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 they absolutely put everything that they had into getting the, 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 the ship moving forward. But there are just, as we've, as we've learned, um, there are some people that are just hardwired for certain roles better than others. Um, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things where as a COO or integrator or any type of operational person, um, you've got to put aside someone's um, personality uh, in terms of they're, 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 they mean well and they're a good person, I guess I should say, but they might not be a best fit for the business to move forward. And those are some hard decisions that I remember coming back to you and saying, hey, man, um, love this person. I think they're great, but I don't necessarily know that they're going to be the person that gets us to that next level. And I think that you didn't really that you didn't really push back on it, but there was a lot of times that you were like, I don't know, dude. Like you know, they're they're killing it. They've been killing it for me for a couple of years, you know. And um, I was like, ah, okay, man. But I was we're just gonna we're just gonna let this play out and kind of see. And uh, it's just one of those things where I think that if, if if you're out there right now looking for a COO, you've got to have a guy that's not that's not scared or a girl for that matter that's not scared to take a look at uh, person person. Uh, personnel policies, procedures, and come to you with the truth and not be scared of you're, you're saying, Oh, I don't agree with that. And they got to be able to push back and say, look, no, this is, this is what I'm seeing. You've asked me to come in. You've asked me to, 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 to write this course or write this shit for you, get it on a certain path and be able to push, you know, push back when, um, when the CEO or the owner doesn't necessarily agree with what they're saying and, and they got to be able to stand firm in that. And I think that there was a, there was a lot of some of that, um, you were outwardly pushing back against me, but I, I could see some of the, maybe the hesitation in your mind about kind of some of the things that I was seeing. Um, and um, ultimately it ended up working out, but um, yeah, that, that was a very interesting first six months because uh, I felt, um, and it's, I think anybody's going to feel this way. And I've talked to some guys that have came on and, and, and kind of started the COO transition into companies is that uh, and it's just human nature, but there's, there's a certain comfort, you know, comfortability that, that happens with a team working in a certain way for a certain time frame. And when somebody comes in, um, it, the, it's, and I never took it personal. I think that's, that's the big thing is that if you're, if you're going to come in and you're going to, to assume a role like a COO, there are people are, are it's, it's not, I'm probably not a whole lot of people's favorite person. Um, and, and that's okay because uh, I knew the vision and I knew where we needed to get, get going. And I, you had hired me to do a certain thing for a certain uh, certain time frame, and I had to do what was best for the business. And there was a lot of tough decisions that had to be made, and a lot of tough discussions that were taking place. And um, ultimately, a lot of times, it made me the bad guy. And um, although you know, I don't, I didn't like necessarily that happening. It was kind of a necessary evil that that had to that had to happen for us to kind of move the business forward. Yeah, you mentioned a couple things that I that I thought were pretty funny that reminded me of that time about a year and a half ago. Is all the phone calls that I was getting from the staff and the team basically saying, do you know that Nate's saying this? It's like, yeah, I do. Uh, I know that he's saying that. Or in the beginning, usually it was like, well, what is he saying? You know, what, what, what is it? And um, they'd say, well, he's, he's asking us to, to do this or, you know, record our appointments or do something. And I said, yeah, I know. Uh, I asked him to ask you guys to do that. Like it's coming from me. And it's, it reminds me of, of our kids, 
Our kids hear no from dad and they go to mom, you know, and, or vice versa. And they're just trying to listen for a different answer. They, they thought, in, there's no way that Bill would expect me to do that or just because I wasn't holding them accountable before and now you are. So, and you also mentioned that, I mean, that's the funniest thing. And I hear it now that we have other people in our eight-figure group that are hiring COOs, I hear the same thing happening. The owners are telling me like, man, it's just, you got to pick, you got to pick your man or your, or your woman. Like you've got to, you got to back. Like I have to, at, on that call, I, ha- I can't say, uh, well, yeah, I didn't really, you know, ask him to do that. I'll talk to him about that. Like you have to put up a, a solid wall. Like you have to decide, uh, you know, are you doing this or not? Obviously, if they told me that you were doing something crazy that I had no idea about. And even then, even if they said that for me as the owner and you as the CEO, if you're listening, you've got to say, you've got to take ownership of that. And then you got to take care of it with your COO. If they see that they're looking for division on this, they're looking to see the two of you divide and, and look for cracks and ways that they can manipulate uh, things. It's just, especially salespeople. It's, the, it's, like yeah. the, it's like their nature, right? So I totally agree. The people that we had, fantastic people. I mean, they, some of the people helped me build the company. Some of the people uh, were some of my first hires, first uh, employees, first, um, you know, at, we were a true startup then. You mentioned yeah. startup, but like we were a startup then. Like, yeah, they were yeah. backing up me, right? I had no experience. I had, no, I had nothing. I, I mean, hiring people was, I couldn't believe that they, they joined me. You know, mm-hmm. looking back, it's just amazing to see the quality of people that came on and, and helped me and, and grew the company. And, you know, every single one of them should know that I love them 100%. And if they don't, then they're hearing it now if they're listening. Like, yeah. I absolutely love them. I'm so thankful for the people that were put in place. I am grateful for every single person that's ever come through the doors of our company. Um, it's, it's amazing. But, you know, at some point, you get to a place where they got to grow with you. And we grew so fast that some of the people couldn't keep up and they, they understood that they quit or, or they were let go or, you know, all these different things. And they've moved on to do other things. And that's great. Like I would, I'll wish them all the best, no doubt. Like I want everybody to be successful, but to be successful in our organization, you've got to be okay with accountability. You got to be okay with having a mirror held up to you to look at and say, is this the best version of me? that I can be. And if the answer is no, and you're sandbagging, or you don't want to grow, or you don't want to develop, this is not the place for you. I mean, I want that mirror held up to me every single day. I want to look in the mirror, and I want to see somebody who's not take, you know, not, is growing constantly, not, never taking no for an answer, no plan B, all of these things that we're talking about on this podcast. Like, I want to see that in the mirror every day. And I expect the same thing of my people. We have high expectations for our people. So when you came in and did all that stuff, of course, I'm going to back you. Like, that's, that's what it's all about. And, and I did. And some of those people, I mean, it wasn't long. It was like another week after that phone call where they're like, um, I'm out of here. Like, I don't, um, I don't want to do these things. I don't like the accountability. I don't like, um, you know, the analysis of my meetings, of my appointments, listening to giving me feedback of how I can be better. If they look at it like that, they're not the right fit. If right. they look at it, how we look at it of, we are doing this for you for free. We are going to record your appointments and phone calls and give you feedback on it so you can be better and you can make more money. Right. This is for you. Like you will make more money. You will be more effective. You will do better. If you don't want to be better and grow and make more money and all the things you tell me, like you tell me that that's what you want, but your actions speak 10 times louder than your words. So that's what we were doing. And the people who aren't on board with that, it was great to see that. I mean, it hurt, right? It hurt because I was on this kind of like, 
I was on this smooth glide, you know, making a million and a half a year. We could have done the same thing. Uh, you know, expenses could probably have been lower with, you know, all these salaries coming in and all these other payouts. Um, but I was also working nonstop. Like I was working in the business and I wanted to be working on the business. And I want, like, I wanted, I wanted to get my time back. That was the most important thing to me at that point, which it changes for different people, right? Some people want yeah. to be in the business. For me, I wanted my time back. I wanted to work two or three hours a week. I saw other people doing it. I had to figure out how to do it. And that was my goal from the beginning. Well, I don't know, after like six months. So the goal from the beginning was to flip 12 houses a year by myself with no employees. So that's obviously out the door. So, so that was a tough time coming in and shaking things up. And we saw that. And then, you know, six months later, I mean, you nailed it. We kind of, we got to the point where we thought it was three months. It was more like six we had a bunch of turnover. We saw profitability dip, right? When you have turnover, it costs a ton of money to hire, train uh, new people, bring them in, lose some deals, not be able to go on appointments. Who's going to go take care of that? I mean, you're running a business real time that when somebody leaves, it really affects it's small companies, right? We have 12 to 15 people in, in our company at different times. So it's not like we have the you know, 100,000 people that you're talking about, you lose one person and somebody else can pick up the slack. Like we're all having to pitch in and, and work. So I remember saying, yeah, I'll be out of there in three months. And six months later, um, I finally felt comfortable. I was still hanging on to some things, right? Still hanging on to some of the finances and, and some, of, some of those things, some of the, the big decision making. But um, ultimately after six months, I did feel like I could kind of focus uh, 100% somewhere else. So that was amazing. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, just kind of recap a couple of things that you said in that last segment there was that I, and you don't have to wait for a COO to come in and kind of help make some of these decisions. I, I think that, you know, as, as a business owner, if you if you see that somebody is a, is a good person, but they're just not getting it, the, the job done, you cannot wait until it's like the, the, their exit is inevitable. You have to make a decision and start either either put them on a performance improvement plan or start holding them accountable to some degree because I, I talk to people all the time when we, when we go to uh, meetings and they'll say, well, I've, got, I've just got this person. I just know that they're, they're not the right fit. And it's like, what are you, what are you waiting on? Because every day that goes by that you're not making some adjustment or holding this person accountable or shifting their mindset or doing something, you're losing, you're losing traction. Uh, and they get, they get more ingrained and more comfortable in their uh, kind of subpar performance. And you know, you're just making a bigger hole for yourself if you really want to push the, push the ball forward. So, um, it, you know, it's, it's one of those things I, I think where, where you and I balance each other out very, very well is um, I, I think I make, a, I make a lot of my decisions purely data driven and I try to keep the emotion out of it. Uh, and I think that that was what a lot gave me a little bit of, of the ability to kind of make some of the moves that we did as fast as we did. Um, because, and the other thing too, there's also, there's also an element that I think that I, I understand and I want, you know, you know, from a business owner to understand too is, um, there's a, there's an element of loyalty. And, and like you, you said it before, these people came in when, when there was nothing They came in and they said, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hitching my wagon to bill, not to blackjack, you know, because this is, this is, I trust bill. And there's an element of allegiance that you have as a business owner to someone. And I get that. But at some point in time, there's a decision that has to be made is that are these the people or is this the person that's going to get me to that next level? And uh, sometimes they are, and sometimes they're not, but you got to be willing to make that decision. And uh, definitely if you hire a COO, they better be willing to make that decision um, because that's really their job. Um, and the other thing that I was going to go ahead. No, I was just saying, I was just going to say that, you know, when you, when you have these people and um, this emotional versus logical decision-making, you got to know yourself. You got to know who you are. Like I know now 
that I'm an emotional decision maker. I'll hold on to people longer than I, than I should. So that balance is important. You know, it, we have people like, you know, Ariane, Chris and Ariane Lemire have been on this podcast, um, uh, a couple times and they are a different owner and CEO than I am. You know, the, their business structure, the people that they bring into place, they're going to be different than, than me. And because they're going to lead people differently, they're going to manage people differently. So when you bring somebody in, you got to know your strengths and weaknesses. I think it's really important. It's kind of what I've realized um, over the past few years is I got to know where I'm strong and know where I'm weak. So I know that I make emotional decisions. I know that I'll hold on to somebody a couple months later. As a business owner, we can absolutely like fight that. Like the business is way more important. So I've you know, I've had to let people go way before I probably would have if I was just trying to be their friend or, you know, but it's, it's, it's hard. You got to kind of look in the mirror and, and, and know who you are and really figure it, figure that out and, and kind of fortify those, those weaknesses if you need to. Like, I love the fact that Nate is more of a logical decision maker than I am because when the two of us talk about stuff, I'm like, I don't know. Like, like, just like he said, I don't know. Are you sure? Uh, they could be, uh, they could probably turn it around. They could be different. They could do a lot better. I've seen it. They've been doing really well for me. It's, it's just the relationship that I have with them. So if you're hiring a CEO or anybody for that matter, who's in a leadership position, you've got to make sure that they are, they could make that tough decision and that they're also willing to come to you with it. Just like Nate said, like they're not afraid to come to you. So that, I think that really takes me to a place of, kind of compensation package and things like that for a CEO or a COO or any type of employee that you have. If, if the employee cares a lot about how much money they make and they're tied to the bottom line or they're tied to these kind of gross or net performance of uh, a profit and they know that if they shake the boat that it's going to affect their pay, you might have a structure in, improperly set up from the beginning. So one thing that I see is that, that we did well was put you go on a salary as opposed to like a percentage of the, the net or the profits or any of those things. Cause that allowed that, that allows that person to make the decision logically instead of, I've seen a lot of times, like we've, we've worked with a lot of other CEO, COO relationships in the past few months or, you know, six months or so. And what I see a lot of times is they set up their comp plan where it's, they're not really, it's not an advantage to let people go and shake things up and really you know, hurt the company to make it better. Right. Like sometimes you have to take two steps back to take 10 steps forward. And, and I know that, and you know that, but had we, had we set it up the way we were talking about it, where it was just all kind of like growth driven and profit driven for, for your pay, I think a lot of people would sit there and go, I don't know if I should let this person go because I, we're not going to have anybody going on appointments for a month. We're not going to make yeah. as much money, but it's yeah. the best decision for the company at that time. So we talk a lot about that kind of pay structure and things like that. So when you're getting in these positions, really kind of think about how you structure all your people, um, not just a COO, but anybody. Like, do, do you have them set? Like, are the, are the incentives aligned? Is it aligned with the company for their pay structure, for their, um, just even just the emotional paycheck, the pat on the back, the awards, the, the accolades, all the things that some of these people need? Is it set up properly to do the best thing for the business or is it set up properly to do the best thing for the owner or is it set up the best to do things for the employee? Like you always want to align it to the business because as an owner and COO and everybody, like everybody wants to make sure that the company's making money and you've got to get them all feeling that way. Like everything should be driven that way because if they don't know, if anything happens to the business, they don't have a job anyway. So that's the big thing that, that we push now is, 
making sure that they understand that all of our incentives are aligned to make sure that the company is profitable and happy because when that happens, everybody else is happy. So. Yeah. And I just to kind of piggyback off what you're saying there too, from a, from a COO looking at this and from a, a CEO looking at a COO's performance, expect probably some regression those first couple months that you bring somebody on uh, not, not, you know, not just from maybe the way that the company feels, but also, you know, monetarily, I think that like the first quarter that we had when I came on, it was probably one of the worst quarters that the company had had in the last year prior. Um, and then Q2 started to get a little bit better, but it was still underperforming in my, in my eyes. But what was happening behind the scenes was this foundation was being laid that had to, that had to happen to be able to move forward. So it's like you're taking, taking one step back to take two steps forward. Um, and we were able to like, we were able to do 100% double our business in Q3 and Q4 than what we did in one and two. Um, and that wouldn't have been possible without making some of those changes. And to your point, if you have somebody that's completely tied to the net, they're never going to get to that six month window. So all of their work and all the things that they've been laying for the last six months are actually going to start to bear fruit because they're going to be gone because they, they've not had a paycheck. Uh, so it's, it's important from that perspective. And, and, you know, I think that people that, if you're a business owner and, and you're a visionary, the chances are you're probably not very, you're probably not a very patient person. Um, and I, I realize that it's, um, it's patience is a, is a virtue, as they say, uh, especially when it comes to doing like this. It's, it's almost like, imagine, um, you know, you're hiring a new coach for your favorite football team and the, the team's been 0-12 for the last three seasons. It's usually going to take that coach, let's say, in a co collegiate level, it's going to take them about three or four years before they can actually start to get the people that they've picked the plays that they've gone to actually start starts people starting to come together and work as a unit and get moving. It's the same thing. It's the same thing at this level uh, for a company is that the policies and procedures and, and players or, or team members that we've got, it takes a while for them to get that traction to start moving. So there's going to be an there's going to be a, a time frame of a little bit of a lull. And you as a business owner, as long as you know that you've got your right guy or right gal in that seat, you've got to stick with them. You've got to, you've got to back them. You've got to do those things. Even though like if you're looking at the numbers coming in every month, it might feel a little bit hard to do. Um, so that's one thing that I would definitely give you credit for is that even when things started to get a little rocky, I mean, you, we always, you always trusted that I, it was going to come back around. And I, I kept, I, I, I always kept telling you, man, it's, we're, we're just, it's, we're just like a month away. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And then finally it did, thank God. But the point is, is that, uh, you know, you, you, you gave me, you, you were patient enough. And I, and I know how, how hard it was for you to be that way. You were patient enough to let some of the, the, the groundwork that had been laid actually start to work through. And, um, you know, the last thing I want to say about the, the, the last point is, is talking about the logical versus emotional decision maker is that, you know, you can have a logical decision maker. And, you know, I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm always on, only on one side of this fence, but I, I'd like to say that, you can, you can still be a logical decision maker and still care about people. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's the, the discussion is a little bit different. I mean, I, I still, uh, you know, care about every person that's ever worked and, and about them and their families and their, their situations. But the decision comes from, are you, are you making a decision? Are you allowing your emotions to, to, to prevent you from making the best decision possible for the business? And if you are, that's when you've got to, you've got to kind of check yourself. But you can still make that decision that's best for the business that might isn't that isn't best for that person and still make it in a in a, in a it doesn't mean you don't care. Um, and I think that that's, you know, that's a discussion that if someone is a is a leader um, uh, that, that can come in and actually say, look, you know, we, we appreciate everything you've done for us, but it's time for us to go in a different direction and have that have that discussion and it kind of be an amicable separation of sorts. It's um, it's it's important to do because it, it, it maintains it maintains that morale and it sets the bar for the entire organization that guys look we're 
we care about you, but we're 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 we're, we're going to be moving forward, and we're going to be we're going to be raising the bar. And if you can if you can meet that, great. If not, you might not be the best fit. Um, and it's just not like a you know just cutting everybody loose without feeling. Uh, so. Yeah. So, so six months I was kind of removed from, uh, from the day to day stuff. I was still, we, we were meeting, I, I probably was spending anywhere from 10 to 12 hours a week, something like that. Just, you know, reviewing things, answering questions, all that stuff, uh, finances for sure. I was still kind of approving payroll and, and some of the wires and stuff like that for the finances for the projects. And then, um, and then after that, you know, we kind of just, you, I just let you run. Like that's, that's the thing. And really the, the relinquishing of control is so hard for a lot of the CEOs and business owners is you want to be in there. Like I remember getting in there a couple of times and you're like, Hey man, I, you got to let me do my job here. You got to, um, do you not trust me? What, like what, it, and not so direct, but it was kind of like, Hey, I got to have the opportunity to make these mistakes. Like I, you know, I always talk about making mistakes and I love it when people make mistakes because, but you know, if they make mistakes over and over again, now it's becoming intentional you know, so make a mistake, don't make it again. And I, I needed, I needed to hear that. I needed to give you the opportunity to make a mistake and, and that's okay. Like we made a ton of mistakes. I've made a ton, uh, you know, but I, I want to make sure that you're not making the same mistakes that I've already made. So some of that communication is important, but if these are new things that you've got to figure out, you've got to uh, try things like, and the other thing is I also had to own the people that I hired, my people, I feel like, you know, um, I really, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that if they're my people that I'm having those conversations with them, I'm taking those calls when they're upset and, and disappointed and, and, uh, they you know, thinking about quitting or they, Hey, they're going to need to get let go or something like that, that I own that. And then you also own your people. Like when the people come in that you've hired, that you're yeah. bringing in, that you're taking ownership of those people and, and making sure that, um, Hey, Hey man, this is, this is you like, but do it, do it, own it. Like I got to let you own them. You, I mean, you, now you, you interview, hire, train, manage, lead the people that come in. A lot of times I've never met them now. And the same thing now, you know, a year and a half down the road is for our staff. I mean, we have a lead manager who just, you know, interviewed, interviewed, dozens and dozens of people and basically me you and I you mentioned patience and if anybody listened to my call with Mike Simmons you know that I don't have any a lot of patience at all and neither does he so but you're right Nate I don't have patience if it was me I would be like just hire somebody already and she's like no I just haven't found the right person I haven't found the right person and we gave her that responsibility you know I gave it to you and you gave it to her and that's what people need if you really want to you know replicate yourself or remove yourself or start working on the higher level tasks, you've got to be able to relinquish that control and let and back other people's decision and put trust in them. And I think that's where we got to around that time of me just saying, okay, like you got it. Um, if you need me, I'm here. But um, I mean, we made some decisions. We, you implemented a couple things that we kind of lost some money on. Um, we've done some different things, but it's okay. I would have done the same thing. And I think us as CEOs and business owners, a lot of times we think that like, I, I don't know. It's very easy for us to take ownership of our decisions and say like, yeah, I know I tried that. It didn't work. It's not a big deal. But when someone else does it, we get really upset about it. Like we really are like, why did you do that? You know, how, how could you do that to, to me? Like for us, it's, it's, it's our pocket, right? As the owner, it's just, Hey, that was my money. I can make that decision. And you got to find somebody else too. That's willing to take that risk also. Cause it, I mean, we are taking 
Um, you know, we're making decisions here that can cost the business money, but you've got to have somebody that you really trust and that, you know, can, can make those decisions on your behalf. And yeah. I think that's what we have here. I think, I think we, we throw around the term delegate a lot. Um, but we don't really elaborate on the second step of that is there, there has to be like some empowerment that comes with the delegation. And, you know, you say you, you're asking, you're assigning this to this person, you're assigning that to that person. But the, the, the single most thing that I, that I think other than, other than fine tuning your hiring and selection and interviewing process to get the right people that is valuable for a company like ours that to continue growth and continue kind of raising the bar is the empowerment of your team. So you don't have to be involved in every single detail and every single, um, every, every single little decision that needs to be made. Like they, they, they are comfortable with making the decisions on the, themselves. They've been empowered to work autonomously and make decisions. But furthermore, the, the most important thing is the, it's the empowerment, but it's also that they know that they can make, the, they can make a, a mistake and it'd be okay. All I ask the team is I say, listen, it, it, I, make, I make mistakes every single day and I'm going to continue to make mistakes every single day. But as long as you can come back to me and articulate to me why you made the call that you made at the moment you made it, given your training resources and education that you've got, there's never, we're never going to have a problem. You know, and we, we're going to talk about maybe why you should have made another decision or maybe you should have looked at here instead of there. But I promise you they're going to learn more by making that mistake and then kind of doing a, you know, post, post, uh, post-mortem review of the situation. than if you, if you jump in and say, Hey, don't do that, do this. Um, and I think that there, you know, a lot of people are different, but I know that that was one of the things that I, I, I kept going to you on and saying, Hey man, like, I don't want I don't want to make any like monumental mistakes here, but like if I'm running down a path that like, let me, let me make the mistake cause I'll, I'll learn it better. Um, and that's so hard to do. It's, it's easier for me to do as the CEO than it is for you as the business owner. But, um, I see that now, especially as we've got, we've got an awesome management team. Um, and, um, you've got to almost let somebody make a mistake, even if you see it coming, because the, the value of them making that, experiencing that, overcoming that, adapting their plan to getting across that, it's going to, it's going to resonate throughout the organization versus you stepping in and, and preventing that from happening. So the empowerment, um, along with delegation, I think is, is key to kind of raising the standard in your organization. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, it's, it's, it's really hard to do. Like I, I know. I've been there. It's, it's tough, especially, I mean, and it goes even from the beginning, like that first person that you hire, same thing. Like it's not just a CEO, COO relationship. It's, it's everybody in the organization. If you're, you know, micromanaging them and you're not delegating and elevating, like we're trying to do here. I mean, that's, that's ultimately what we need to do. If you want to grow something and, and not be, I mean, you can do it all yourself. If that's what you want to do, fine. It's okay. Like you can do it. You're, you're not, you're going to hit a level and that's your cap. And, um, and if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But if you, if you do want to grow and you want to build a business and a, and a company, I mean, just like we talk about all the time and, and really have that time freedom, and then you've got to be able to delegate and elevate and trust your people. So, um, so you mentioned our team a little bit, let's talk about them now. So we've had a ton of turnover since you came on a year and a half. We did, you did the math and you found that we had 120% turnover. So what does that mean? If you're listening, how do you have 120% turnover? It just means that everybody that was working with me before Nate came in is not working with us in a full-time capacity anymore. We have some people that are, that still work with us part-time and, um, and 20% of the people that Nate had, has hired have either quit or been let go. So can you imagine a company like Nissan or some of these other companies doing 120% turnover and still growing year over year and becoming better? That's really what we're doing. We're building out the foundation and, and we're really trying to find the people that, um, Nate said something to me one time that I want to share with you guys. I said, 
inside traction, they talk a lot about um, kind of the core values and, and who you are. So we, we established our core values and I've shared them on here. It's uh, ownership, uh, stewardship, hardworking, integrity, and personal and professional development. Um, and for us, you know, I, I always said we hire, fire, and uh, like promote and uh, acknowledge and uh, give pats on the back based on these core values, right? So when, when we were hiring, kind of we're building them out and we're hiring somebody, I said, you know, does, does the, jan- like the janitor that stays the janitor, do they really need to have like the, all this personal and professional development and things like that and, as we're trying to figure all this out? And Nate said to me, he said, well, he said, I'm not ha- hiring a, a janitor, man. I'm not hiring somebody who's just going to stay at that level forever. I'm hiring somebody who is going to be moving up and always has the position to at least go up one rung in, in, inside the company because we're just too small of a company to hire somebody who's going to be stuck in this position all the time because they'll just leave or they'll quit or you know we'll grow around them and they won't be able to keep up. So I think it's really important to think about that when you're hiring somebody, especially in small organizations like we have. I don't know anybody that runs a 100-person real estate investment company. Um, right now, maybe they're, maybe they're out there and, um, and they're, they, they probably are. They're just not in my circle right now. But for us, 15, 20 people, 25 people maybe, um, you know, what does it look like? Everybody should have the opportunity to move up and be bettering themselves because we're going to grow. What we found is we're growing around these people. And if they're not willing to grow with us, then they're going to be left in the dust. Like we move so fast. So that was a big thing for me to hear that. And it just kind of opened my eyes and I've shared it a lot. And I know I haven't shared it on the podcast, but I shared it a lot of our six, seven and eight figure meetings, but that it's really big. It's really important to think, think like that when you're hiring this person, like, is this person just going to answer the phones forever? Is that, is that what they're going to do? Or do they have the ability to move up? Um, I'm going to bring the team on coming up. We're going to talk about that in a second. But Ashley is one of our, uh, the people that work for us. She's our operations manager. And she started hanging bandit signs for us. So answered an ad on Craigslist and it's handing, hanging bandit signs at, on Friday night at like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. And now she's running the entire operations department and has people working for her. So that, that's the kind of person that I want to bring into the organization. That's the kind of person that we want to hire and train and groom to be better. And they continue to move up. So 120% yeah. turnover. We're not hiring janitors. That's kind of what we got going on right now. Well, I mean, and so look, I, I, I mean, let me just preface all of that with saying that like, there's there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with being a janitor by any means. But the point of the discussion at the time was that at the, where we were at in the growth of the company was is that we had to hire that first level of management and leaders for us to be able to scale. We had to have that 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 first line of defense underneath me to be able to to train and develop and delegate to the people underneath them. And at the time, we didn't have it. So anybody that I hired to come in at the at the base level, I was still the next level up. So if you're if you're trying to develop the the, the management level in between you and the I guess the end user, the entry level, uh, you've got to hire somebody at the entry level that can go to the next. Because I wanted to be able to create this culture, and we we've done that of being able to promote with promote from within and develop our team and see that there is opportunity with us, there is growth with us. If you come in and you work hard and you do all the things that you're supposed to do, that there's a trajectory, an upward trajectory for you with us. And, you know, and, and that was, that was key. And I think honestly, when you look at this, the only reason that we were able to make it through 120% turnover was because we had the people in the seat that we, the other 80% that got hired that stayed, they have been a players and they've been able to withstand the blow of losing some of those people. Um, 
and, 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 and keep us churning forward while we were trying to figure out the other things. So that's, that, that's the key to it. Um, and, you know, within that same time frame um, of the 120% turnover, um, we've had 100% growth in our business. So it's, it's, it's one of those things where um, it's all about the people. You can take anything that anybody says on any podcast or whatever. Obviously, if your mindset's right and all of it, 100% of what you're doing is about your people that you hire. Uh, once, once it's out beyond you, it's, it's 100% about the people. And I um, can't stress that enough. Yeah. So you said uh, we wanted to grow. We wanted to hold people accountable. And I wanted my time back. Yeah. Uh, three things that you thought were impossible and crazy. And we grew 100%. We... Uh, held people accountable. We had turnover, yeah. but the people that we have right now are probably the best people that I've ever seen in an organization yeah. before. These are yeah. amazing people. And I got my time back. I'm working. Yeah. I mean, this podcast is probably the longest amount of time that I've had to spend this week on the business. So right. it's, um, it's, it's good. I, I think, I think we found the right guy. So, um, <laughs> Good. I'm glad you feel that way. <laughs> and I also think it's funny that, um, that you, you've, you've had the need to defend the janitors. So if you're a janitor and you're listening to this, start investing in real estate and stop cleaning toilets, okay? All right. Um, so here's what I'd like to do. Let's take, uh, you know, we, got, we, we spent a lot of time talking about kind of how we met, how we got together, and how we, um, how we, you know, built this relationship. And then a little bit about kind of, you know, what we did once you got going and um, what it looks like now. So um, let's talk a little bit quickly because, you know, this is kind of the first podcast of me bringing some of our team members on. So the next couple people after you on this podcast are going to be the people that we're talking about right now, the team members who are like the management staff that's keeping us at a really high level. So we have a, a lead, in, lead manager uh, named Val. We have a um, sales manager named Chad. He also does dispositions in the company. Um, we have an operations manager, which I mentioned, named Ashley. And then we have a marketing manager named um, Heather. So those are the four people that are gonna, I'm going to have on over this next week or so um, onto the podcast. So let's just take a minute to kind of talk about them and, and what they do and, and how great they're doing just so the, the listeners can hear kind of who we've got. Yeah, so let's let's. I, mean, I think it's smarter to do this in chronological order of who we hired first and how to kind of, how that kind of developed. So, um, you already told the story of Ashley. Um, we at the time, I think she was honestly maybe one of my first hires, and I don't really want to call it a hire, really, because we didn't really bring her on as a team member. She was kind of performing this ad hoc service for us of hanging signs and you know on the weekends. Excuse me. <laughs> and um, it was like it was like a gig, right? She came in for a gig. She had just moved to Clarksville, and she was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna throw up some of these uh, some of these signs for you guys. Uh, I'll get paid a couple hundred bucks on the weekends. Sounds good. Me and my husband will do it." Yeah, and and, and the thing about it was, I remember, you know, Bill and I have learned a lot about ourselves throughout the course of this last year, and I have personality profile and testing. But we're the type of people that they we want to show you, or we will tell you what we need done, maybe give you a high level overview of what our opinion is of maybe what the best practice is, but. We are not going to hold your hand and we expect you to find your way to the finish line. And um, maybe it was a little bit, um, probably a little bit short-sighted of me to think that somebody that I had found on a Craigslist posting to be able to hang bandit signs was going to be as autonomous as she was, but she blew me away. Like there was a, uh, we had a very specific process and location that we were uh, going to be hanging these signs and a, and a system we were using and not one single time did she, yeah, you had to tell her once and she executed to just 100%. So um, at the time that we were going through all of this turnover, she just she just kept exceeding my expectations. Um, and I kept telling Bill, I was like, you know, anytime we have an opportunity that might open up, we, we, need to, we need to consider her. So 
I think that in the course of the last year and a half, she, she started hanging bandit signs for us. Then she came in and started doing a little bit of uh, part-time follow-up uh, on the lead intake. Then I think she actually worked as maybe a lead intake for a little bit. And then we created uh, what I was calling a quality assurance position at the time that she came on and did a little bit of that. And then she quickly migrated from that into our transactions uh, coordinator position and then went to more like a transactions manager. And now she's our operations manager. And that's, that's been, that's been her growth trajectory in a year and a half with our company, just because she is the right person for our company. She's a solid core values fit. And she, she just exceeds expectations every single time she comes, she comes to, to the plate. It's, it's, it's excellent. She's awesome. Yeah, no doubt about it. So who else, who else we got? Who was that? Uh, so the next, the next person that came on would, would have been Chad. Yep. And honest, and honestly, it, uh, Chad is a uh, Chad is a anomaly uh, in my opinion. Uh, he came to us kind of one of those things that we talked about, almost like how you and I met. It's kind of we. I remember being um, we we were in Pensacola and Chattanooga at the time. We were tossing around the idea. We made the decision that we were going to expand into Nashville, and um, you know Nashville uh, as opposed to the other two markets is obviously one of, a major market. It was something that we hadn't really came in, so we knew we had to find like the right sales guy. And the irony of the timing that happened, somebody in the, in the mastermind group had posted saying, hey, uh, I got this guy that's moving to Nashville. If anybody's looking for an acquisitions person, you know, he's, he's really good. And uh, we already had a guy in mind that, you know, you and I had talked to that we thought was going to be our guy. And uh, you're like, hey, you want to talk to this guy or whatever? And I was like, yeah, let's, let's, let's just take a look at it. It can't hurt. Um, and we, we, had, we ate lunch with this kid and he blew us away with his, just his drive, ambition, and he's just his vision um, kind of that, that, that lack of plan B mentality that we appreciate is that he, he, he knows where he's going to be. He already got it figured out. It's just a matter of just making it happen. Um, and I remember you and I walking away from that discussion and being like, man, this guy is, uh, it's not what I was expecting to come out of this meeting. Um, so, but obviously, um, talk is cheap. Uh, it's all about results. And uh, he came out within the first couple months and just started dropping contracts left and right. He was getting way, way, way higher assignment fees than we'd ever seen. And then um, what it did, it shook up the organization so much that he, his, his drive and his ambition and his execution came in that our acquisitions folks and other, other markets were like, whoa, like, if that's what you expect me to do, then I don't know that this is the right fit for me. And it was like, for us, it completely raised the bar on our expectations on what a good sales rep looks like. Um, and, you know, I'm so thankful that he came on when he did because um, I, I don't know that I really knew what a good salesperson looked like either from, a, from my own personal experience. So when he came on, um, and, you know, I'll, I'll tell you right now, Chad has an unbelievable skill set. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but skill set can only take you so far. His drive and his ambition, his work ethic, are really what that mixed with his sales skill set is what makes him awesome. So he came in and um, just as our, our Nashville sales rep and started just killing it. Um, and um, quickly after, you know, shortly after that, I think we, we really, we really um, overestimated the amount of appointments that we thought we were going to get in Nashville because it's a, it's a 10 X times more competitive market than our other markets. So we weren't getting the appointment quality and volume or volume rather uh, that we were getting in these other markets. So, we really had to go down to only just one sales rep in the Nashville market. And um, we decided to stick with Chad. And then that quickly became uh, Chad coming up to coming to us saying, Hey man, I'm only, I'm only running five appointments a week. I want to do more. I want to do more. I want to do more. How about we fill the house or how about I do this? I'm going to do this. And uh, what we ultimately ended up doing was allowing him to also work dispositions on his own, on his own deals in Nashville. 
and we saw an immediate increase in our, our, our wholesale fees like that. And the guy was just, a, he was a machine working nonstop. So, um, you know, fast forward about, I don't know, eight months later where he's this, this month after month after month churning out and producing, uh, we promoted him to our sales manager, manager position where he actually oversees um, the entire sales process from lead intake to dispositions. Um, and then uh, recently, um, you know, one of the things while he was also kind of working as a sales manager, he was still running appointments in, in Nashville and also disposing of his own Nashville uh, uh, contracts. So it was one of those things I remember you and me, you and me like vividly talking about this and saying, you know, we got to hang on to Chad as long as we can is running appointments in Nashville because it's just such a competitive market. And um, we had some, you know, one thing that I think you're going to find, uh, you know, as you roll, as you, your business grows and there's the evolution of people coming and going is there are going to be entries and departures of people that um, they, it's all about how you deal with the situation. We had a, we had a sales rep depart us that we really, really, that she, she was awesome. And it came, it came out as a surprise that really forced our hand to do something different. Um, our dispositions person at the time that we had, and uh, one of our most valuable sales reps that we had left at the same time within like a three week time frame. Um, and this was just like a quarter ago. Um, and I stepped back and take a look, look, look at the organization and just started looking at some of the things that we were doing. And I called you and I was like, Hey man, I think that, I think that we should probably move Chad into our dispositions and sales manager role because the synergy of those two roles mixed together is a whole lot of gain because every, every single, every single deal that's coming through from the acquisitions team, uh, the dispositions person is already analyzing. They're having to analyze this. Is, is this a good deal? What can I sell it for? And that's also like 50% of the role of the sales manager too. So joining those two roles together, I think makes a lot of sense, but there's no way that he could do both of those and still run appointments in, in Nashville because before he was only focused on Nashville, whereas the sales manager and the disposition, disposition seat that we have him in now is in all three of our markets. So um, what it ultimately ended up doing was, not only having to hire a new sales rep in Pensacola that he was going to have to manage, train, and, and kind of, you know, develop, but also a brand new sales rep in Nashville. So I really put him to the test on hiring and selecting some, you know, his own, his own talent, kind of what we talked about before. It was like, you know, delegating the responsibility of selecting your own talent and being accountable to their performance um, was something that he really, he really took the ball and ran with. And he hired a great sales rep that we have in Nashville and she's, she's doing great. So, um, you know, and I, I can't say enough about Chad. Um, he's, he's been probably one of, if not the most impactful, um, employee that we've had, um, since I've been on at least for sure. Yeah, I, I agree. I think we just need to be careful with the sales reps. We can't blow up their ego too much. So um, I'll just leave it at that. So hopefully before I interview him, he doesn't listen to this. So, um, and then, okay, what about Val? Val was the next one that we hired, I think. Yeah, so uh, we, I can't remember the exact time frame. I guess it's been about a, bit, about a year ago. Um, it was around September. Um, there was a um, position opening for our um, um, lead intake manager in um, Pensacola. We were trying to get, get it hired. So we, I posted a couple of job postings and Val came through. And the cool thing about Val is um, I talked to her immediately and she just exuded our, our core values. It was, it, was, it was evident from the instant that I talked to her that she had all of these things. And I remember her distinctively, we were talking about, you know, I know Bill's talked about it before. One of our, pers- uh, our core values is personal and professional development. I asked her what kind of book she, book she had recently read and uh, no joke, she said, well, I just got done ready, reading the book uh, Traction. And I was just like, wow. So it was so, it was so, so funny. And then the cool thing about Val, too, is uh, she recently immigrated here uh, from Moldova. 
And uh, it was an unbelievable story that we don't have time to talk about today, but uh, I could just see that she had so much value to add. And I was talking to her about coming in at an entry level lead intake position, but I knew just from talking to her and the skill set she provided that it would, it would be a very short time frame that she'd be able to come in and adapt to being the, the manager of that team. And then I still believe wholeheartedly that she's got her trajectory for our company is, 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 is very great. She's going to do a lot of cool things for us. But um, you saw that in that, in that initial discussion with her based on what she brought to that conversation. Yeah, it's it's really amazing to see kind of her growth and what she's done in this company. I remember when we initially hired her, her accent, you know, I, I've, I've been a big proponent of this kind of Southern accent. We're down to Pensacola. It's it's the South. It's Florida, but no, it's like lower Alabama. Nobody's going to tell you that it's Florida. It's the South. And um, I always think that that Southern accent is part of what our... Um, a big part of our success has been on the phone, you know, that initial call, knowing that they're local because a lot of people send their calls to VAs or overseas or answering services and things like that. So um, I thought that was kind of our secret weapon. So having Val come in, I was a little bit concerned about that, but I mean, right away, she just was killing it. I mean, I've never seen somebody put that many, um, you know, appointments set, contracts on the board and the attention to detail is really amazing that I see coming from her. So I'm excited to talk to her on, uh, on the podcast. Um, and then Heather. Yeah, so Heather is our, our most uh, most recent hire. We, we hired her at the beginning of this year. So um, all of last year, uh, you know, Bill handed off all the marketing over to me and I was kind of grinding and doing a, a lot of different stuff and uh, kind of digging into the numbers. But what we found, and we've talked about this, and, and you know, as we kind of grow and develop as leaders, um, and I, I'm not sure what book that you read that in or heard that, but it, it, you know, it really resonated with me. And I, I had heard it before in the past, but like once we had talked about it again, it kind of, kind of brought it back up, was that if you're sitting in a meeting with your team, especially as the owner of the company, you cannot be the best at a certain skill set in every single one of the seats. I mean, as you're growing and developing, it's like, it's like an inevitability that you're going to be a little bit best. But like at some point in time, you should be the dumbest person in the room about the things that are going on in those specific departments and know that the person sitting in that seat around the table is better than you at that specific role. So we got to this point where I was like, you know, I can follow, I can follow, I can follow the blueprint here, but I don't have a whole lot of marketing background or skill set. It's time for us to go out and find someone that, 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 you know, eats, sleeps, breathes, marketing, and has been there and done that time and time again. So we opened that up in December and, um, you know, we were lucky enough to, to, to find Heather and who has a, a lot of digital marketing experience. She came on no, no real estate experience whatsoever and hit the ground running and, and uh, has added a tremendous value, amount, amount of value in a short amount of time. I think our, um, our marketing cost per lead dropped by like 40% from Q1 to Q2. So it was, it was, it was huge. She's, she's made an unbelievable impact. I'm sure you guys are get a lot of value from the conversation you're going to have with her. Yeah. Amazing. I totally agree. I'm excited to talk to her because uh, I love that. I mean, uh, I, and where I heard it was just from other CEOs. I just listened to um, a couple other CEOs. I've been reading some biographies lately and things like that, really trying to figure out how I can be a better leader and a better owner of the company and a better visionary. And that's where I hear all the time. It's just, you can't be the person who knows the most. You can't be sitting in the boardroom around your staff and you know, they're looking to you for the decision. Like you talk about delegating and elevating that if they're looking to you to make the decision to tell them what to do, you get the wrong people in that room. Um, I've been saying that for years, like just probably the last two years, because I always felt like I'm sitting in these quarterly meetings and everybody just, I'm talking the whole time. You know, I want to be quiet and I want to, I want to watch the rest of the staff make decisions and come up with new ideas and creative things because I'm not the most creative guy. You know, I've been trying to just hack other people's systems for the past four years and I'm really good at doing that. But when it comes to, 
that's what we've created now too is what you're saying right i mean it's like the last quarterly meeting we had is exactly what you're talking about oh. like it like, i mean literally i'm not i'm not joking I, I literally cried because i was watching this team add so much value they came in and they just blew it away and you know you and i can just basically sit back there and, and watch these a players these experts in their own field kind of add value to the company and steer the ship and we're just kind of there to moderate and, and, and give them all the resources and backing that they need so it was it was an unbelievable transition that we that we've kind of been through yeah it was my favorite meeting yet i didn't really have to say anything just kind of sat there and <laughs> enjoyed myself and just watched and i was just super proud like yeah. i felt like this i don't know i just felt like we had we we're really building something special here and the people love it. And they're, they're taking just as much ownership as I am in the company. Like they want the company to succeed almost as much or more than I do. And that's what I, that's what I want. Like that's what we're truly trying to build. And that's where we know we hit a, a new level of success, right? That was kind of like the next bust through the ceiling that we had. And now, now that we have that, yeah. we can start growing from there. So, so anyway, I, I, now that we have that and, um, and I have this podcast, obviously, I want to bring these people to you. I want to bring them on the podcast. I, this, this this podcast has been amazing. Like I, there's, I learned things in this um, from how we met, how we got set up, telling the story a little bit to some of the details that we went into for uh, the CEO COO relationship and how we got going. So, if you're still listening to this one, it was really long. So, if you're still listening to this, you you must be in this situation or somewhere around that situation, or, or you're thinking about it, or you're 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 getting something from it. So. I think, Nate, I just want to say thank you for coming on. I mean, it's huge value and content here that, um, I mean, we've shared some things on here that just you and I have been talking about, or we talked yeah. about with a couple people in the eight-figure group. So um, hopefully, no matter where you were and what level you're at, you got something from this, whether it was if you're just getting started or thinking about getting started, or you're, you have a W-2 job and you're thinking about leaving it, or you're doing business at one or two deals a year, or you're doing 100 deals a year. I mean, I think this, what I loved about you know, what you shared and uh, a lot of the things that you said is there's value here for anybody at any level of, of their real estate investment business. So um, I also love the fact that all these people are going to be coming to Flip Hacking Live. So our entire yeah. team's going to be coming. I'm going to bring them on the podcast, but they're also going to be at Flip Hacking Live. And you and I are going to do a presentation at Flip Hacking Live. You might not know this yet, but the title that I've put is how to make an extra million dollars with a team, with the right yeah. team. So um, we're going to do one where we talk about kind of how we built the team and what it looks like and how we structured it and, and how you can do. We went from 1.3 million to 2.3 million by building that team. And hopefully this year we're up by 3 million. So yep. like we were able to build this high performing team and add truly an extra million dollars of gross profit to our business last year. So because of this team and show people how to do it, what it looks like uh, and the thinking behind it and how you can, you can skip all the mistakes that we made. You can avoid the pitfalls that we've, that we've already made. We, like I said, we were blazing the trail. We were trying to figure it out. Andy had done it before me, but a little bit different. And I think most of the people behind us, I know that I talked to Jeremiah on a podcast a couple weeks ago, and he's just so thankful that we have already made all these mistakes that he doesn't have to make. <laughs> so a lot, of our, a lot of our eight-figure flipping members are seeing that, that they don't have to make these mistakes. And yeah. So everybody's going to be at Flip Hacking Live. Everybody's going to be at some point, you know, speaking or talking or, or presenting um, the whole team. And I want them to be a part of that. And I want them to be a part of, you know, helping with some of the groups and things like that. So um, we're, t we're in discussions about all that. So, um, so it, Flip Hacking Live is October 10th through the 12th. It's in San Diego. It's, um, 
in a beautiful hotel, the Hilton Bayfront Resort. I just got back from there. I stayed there for three nights, uh, checking it out, uh, trying to get the lay of the land, understanding you know, where everything's going to be and going through. Um, this, is a, this is a big process, getting this uh, event going. I've been working on this event for over six months now, and we're still two months out. So almost the whole year spent on this event every year. We put a lot of time and effort into it for, this, for you guys. And we bring in the best speakers, the best people, the best content that we have uh, that we can possibly bring to you. So it's not fluff. It's not just uh, basic level stuff. We're bringing our entire team. Anybody that can get on a plane and can fly to San Diego and can stay for three or four days is coming with us because I know the impact that it's going to have on my staff, on, on me as a, as a person and, and on Nate. So you can get some tickets, go to fliphackinglive.com. We will sell out. Um, but if you want to see Nate in person, speak from stage, talk about this, we'll go into way more detail at our presentation. Um, you come join us at, uh, in San Diego, October 10th through the 12th, uh, fliphackinglive.com. The other thing that I want to announce on here is you and I have been working for like, I don't know, we've been talking about doing this for like six months. We've been really trying to figure out how we can um, do some more of this CEO-COO relationship. So if you're still on this podcast and you listen to the whole thing, obviously you're you're probably in that situation where you um, are thinking about hiring one, have hired one, um, have a, C a COO, you're running a seven-figure business, and you want to figure out how to you know, grow it and make it just smooth it out, how to remove yourself. There's a lot of things that we didn't talk about. Like One of them is kind of the mindset of that COO that you hire and really right. having to know and understand that that person is okay with you only working two or three hours a week. Like that's the biggest thing yeah. for me that we didn't hit that I wanted to hit here. But, you know, we put together kind of a, a two-day event in December um, here in Nashville that we're going to announce uh, the details and dates and locations and all that stuff. But I, I want to bring it up here. So if this is something that you're interested in, if you need this, it's, it's an event for our eight-figure members. So all of our eight-figure members who are at a place who – um, want to hire uh, or already have hired a COO and want to get to that point, um, that, that's what we created it for. But I also want to go out to everybody else and say, if you're at that place, this is not just another event to buy a ticket for, okay? This is not an event. If you want to pay for uh, an event and come you know, be, meet and spend time with me and Nate, it's just not going to happen. It's not something that you can just pay for. I'm, I'm going to make sure that you're qualified. I'm going to make sure that you have a business. You're in a place to hire and train and manage a COO and a, and a staff. And so we're going to talk about, you know, finding a COO, how to hire them, how to train them, how to bring them in, what that looks like. And then also after that, um, how to build your team, how to build the solid foundation to, um, to get your CO operating at a really high level. So our eight-figure members have been asking for this. It's what they need. Um, we've been, you know, Nate's been on calls with some of their COOs. We've been doing a lot of training inside of our mastermind group for them. Uh, but we want to put it together in like a really, like be, just dedicate some time to it and spend two days on just that and bring them into Nashville. So not only will you be coming to an event with Nate and I, but you'll also be kind of rubbing shoulders with some of the other eight-figure members that are, um, are coming to this mastermind meeting as part of their membership in eight figure flipping. So, um, if, the, if that's you, if you're at that point, what I want you to do is just send us an email at info at houseflippinghq.com and put CEO, COO event in the uh, subject line and give me a little description about who you are, what your business looks like and that you're interested in it. And we'll send you some more materials on it. Um, we're still working on it. Obviously flip packing live is my, um, is my main focus to make sure that we're impacting and improving the, the lives of as many people as we possibly can at that event. And, um, and this, uh, but the CEO, COO event, I'm really excited about it because we've been, we've been talking about it and, and planning for it and building out yeah. the, um, the, like what we're going to talk about and who we're going to bring in for, 
six months. We just, I keep kicking the can down the road because I'm so busy. So um, finally I said, Nate, okay, we'll do it. Let's do it. So um, December, and I want to say it's going to be the 6th and the 7th of December. So um, send, right. send an email to info at houselippinghq.com if you uh, want to check it out or get us a little bit more information about it. And in the subject line, just put CEO, COO event, and uh, we'll send you some stuff and talk about it. So uh, you get to know me and Nate, if you like what we're talking about, if you like the story, if you like what we're doing and you think that we can help you, um, I know that we can. And I think uh, this is a, this is a hire that uh, I say most people that you hire and, and if you turn over somebody, it probably costs about 35,000, 30, $35,000. This is probably a hire that's going to cost you anywhere from 50 to a hundred thousand um, dollars. If, if it doesn't work out. You know, it's, it's such a big decision of your time and the amount of time that you have to put into them. Just how much is six months of your time worth? And that's basically what I had to pour into this along with six months of Nate's salary and also all the resources of the company. So if that didn't work out, I mean, this is, it's a big step, right? Um, you know, what this event is going to cost you in time and, and, and money will be peanuts compared to that. So it's a no brainer if you're at that position. And, um, and I, I think it's gonna be awesome and the, and the networking will be great. So, um, so anyway, fliphackinglive.com, come check it out. Uh, I can't wait for the next uh, week or so. I'm going to bring on each of those people that Nate talked about and our staff and kind of show you who we got and the powerhouses that we have in the company right now because I'm really, really proud of them. And I, I can't wait to hear some of their stories and, and kind of what they think because I learned some stuff about myself and the company and Nate on this podcast. So I can't wait to hear and learn a little bit more about the rest of our staff. So I'm excited about the future and what's to come. I think um, you know the sky's the limit here for for where we're going as a company with blackjack. So Nate, th thanks for all you do. I appreciate you spending so long with me today. And, um, uh, I, I had, I thought we would get this done pretty quick. Obviously, uh, we both like to talk, so yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, Bill, thanks for having me on, man. I had a good time. All right. I'll, uh, I'll see you guys on the, uh, on the next podcast here at house wing HQ. See ya. Thank you for listening to the House Flipping HQ podcast with Bill Allen. If you haven't gotten your tickets to Flip Hacking Live to see our guests live on stage sharing all of their systems and secrets, make sure you go to fliphackinglive.com before tickets are sold out. This is an event you can't miss. We'll see you in San Diego.